0: Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Hi, I'm Kelly from Qualio, and I'm your host here at From Lab to Launch. Thanks for joining the show today. We've published over 60 interviews with innovators in life sciences across the world, it's been so inspiring to hear the stories of perseverance and innovation to improve human health and save lives. If you've enjoyed the conversations, please consider subscribing and giving us a review on Apple or Spotify. And if you want to be on from lab to launch, please see the application linked in the show notes. Today, we're speaking with Matt Whitcomb, who is a director at Datoed Consulting in Wales, and we're excited to talk to him about what they've been up to. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining oh, well, us today.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting me to give half an hour just to, to describe what I'm doing and what my consultancy does. And now I can help the quality fraternity. It might help with a little background of where I've come from. I'm actually a biochemist by training and many people may know me from my, my sort of quality profession, but actually my background is in R&D assay development, assay design. Because really 20, 30 years ago, you know, a quality profession wasn't on wasn't on the menu at school or university. know, <laughs> Basically you came from a, a technical background. And now there's lots of opportunities to to come in from a, a more sort of pure quality position. I actually got offered a job 20 years ago as a quality engineer. And I didn't even know what that that job entailed. And I said, oh that, that'll be different. And actually for the next 20, 30 years, I moved up the quality profession in different jobs. My kid, my kids found it really funny that in my job title, I had the word engineer for somebody that's actually quite mechanically inept, but you know, I was very <laughs> proud of myself at the beginning. I was a quality engineer, so uh, that was my start of my quality profession. And really, one of the reasons I've stayed in quality is, is that the role in quality really is quite powerful in terms of your ability to make an impact across an organization and also to touch every part of the organization from assay development to product development to right up to marketing You really you do touch every single every single function so that's the reason i've actually stayed within the with quality in terms of the company three years ago. I set up Datod. I think it was it was one of those examples where life gives you an opportunity to do something different, and you and I, I managed to grab it in terms of setting the company out. Datod is actually the Welsh word for unravel, and a lot of the work I do with with the consultancy is actually trying to unravel some of the complexity and the knots that organisations get themselves into. So in many ways, I I become an engineer in some way in terms of fixing organisations and trying to to make them better. So. Even though my kids laughed at the word engineer, actually, that's more or less what I do. I don't necessarily fix mechanical things, but I, I help fix you know, organizations and, and quality systems in, in terms of making them better. The motivation for setting the company up was really, I felt there was a better way to deliver quality to organizations for patients. And really, we're, we're, dif- we're, we're different in two ways. Over the last couple of years, or probably five years, there's been a real focus on the regulations and standards, especially within the the European market, in terms of IVDR and MDR, uh, and that's been the narrative over the last couple of years, and still is in terms of meeting those regulations. I set up the company really to try and move the conversation within organisations, not to sort of ignore those those regulations because you need to meet them, but actually really to sort of move the organisation quality organisations back into the sort of original perception of quality in terms of meeting patient needs and I'll come on to that in, in, in a minute so really the focus was on, on the regulations really my, my my passion is sort of a purist quality a purist in terms of how you can improve patient outcomes and, and build better products to to serve the market uh, and obviously regulations have their place and standards but in many ways over recent years the, the focus on regulations I feel is sort of resulted in a, a degree of patient unmet need in terms of their requirements. I,
0: I would agree with you on that, and I love you know that you mentioned that quality purist. You know, we believe that very strongly here at Qualio as well. Let's get back to what the regulations really require us to do, instead of all of this mm, uh, activity that's you know really just for regulations' sake, right? Checking boxes and and not staying with that customer centric approach, which is how I interpret what you mean when you talk about, you know, back focus back on the patient.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the other way we were different, I was lucky enough to do an executive master's a couple of years ago in, in strategy and, and change in leadership. One of the things that I was exposed to was was some of the work from the social sciences in terms of how complex organizations actually work and actually help. some of the recent research in terms of how quality systems are actually you know, complex adaptive systems and they're not necessarily Uh, linear in in, in the way we look at them. So some of this thinking I really wanted to bring to the table in terms of helping organizations sort of understand themselves and make themselves better. But really, the core of it was really quality and compliance are not the same. I did see a a recent um, poll in LinkedIn in terms of, quality professionals felt that I think 85% of them felt that there'd been more focus on meeting regulations in the past few years and actually meeting patient needs. And as I said, you know, I think really, you know, patient needs have been underserved. Definitely. So I'm, I, I'm not saying that, you know, regulations aren't needed, you know, is a given, but when you go and purchase a car, you don't buy it because it's actually meeting all the electrical safety standards. You buy the car because it, it fulfills the need and then you've got a requirement for it. And there are other sort of, you know, Requirements of the car, you know, the the, the the compliance aspect of the car is just a given. So, I, I hope in, in in the coming years we, we we'll put the focus back on, uh, obviously meeting the regulations, but obviously really sort of meeting the patient in terms of patient needs. So, really, in a nutshell, my sort of my company is sort of uh, focused in terms of trying to rebalance quality systems and and put the focus back on the patient and uh, use some of the new thinking that sort of I've been exposed to over the last couple of years in terms of how you can improve quality systems.
0: Definitely. It's interesting too, you know, I've, I've spent part of my career in device and part of it drug and um, device side is very focused on patient needs and patient outcomes. It's part of the design control inputs. But on the drug side, I've always felt like that lacked. Like we just didn't spend any time considering those things um, and then using those things to drive activities and risk within all of our activities in the organization, whether it's manufacturing or You know, internal auditing. Like, are these are these items really critical from a patient safety or product quality perspective? So, I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about approaches that you might recommend to become more customer centric.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of when you talk about customer customer centric quality system, I mean, the obvious question is who are the customers of the quality system? That that really depends who you ask and. If you ask a group of leaders, you'll get different answers. But and obviously, the one one group is regulated compliance. And obviously, any quality system has to obey the law. The other big bucket is is customer experience. We talked about the patient. You are is the patient getting what they want in terms of their needs? And the other bucket that's often forgotten is is actually I call it business health. It's the financials. Sometimes if you forget the companies have to make a profit and they have to sell products and be commercially viable. And this is quite an interesting one because there's been a very often, a history within quality that we don't feel that we need to talk about cost and price and profitability. You know, that's a dirty word, but you know that that's a that's a real really important factor in making sure that patients get the products they need. So, so an example you know, within quality engineering, do all the individuals know the the general price of the raw materials? You know, that's not always the case, um, mm-hmm. and really, really sort of to rebalance the quality system is really sort of make sure these three customer groups are actually being satisfied at the same time. So it's not just compliance; it's it's the customer need, and it's also also the business health in terms of the profitability of the business. Yeah, so needs really,
0: needs say, of the business definitely need to be considered.
1: Yeah, so you need to grow the business. I mean, that you you want to be a successful business that grows and sells products. In terms of ways to be more customer centric, there's a lot there's a lot of work in the in sort of the lean fraternity in terms of how you know manufacturing have looked at you know what what's what's value in the eyes of the customer. And some of this methodology, if you apply it to the quality system, is quite interesting. So an example would be the control of control of non-conforming product. This is a requirement in the regulations that you bond products that's defective. So the regulatory perspective of that when they they, they examine you is that they would like to see a, a system where your, your material is actually bonded and you don't release defective product. Now, in terms of the customer looking at this part of the quality system, they're more concerned with you know, are they getting the product they want rather than are you bonding the product, you know, as you should within the factory. Um, but the operational, the business health perspective of this, of this part of the quality system is more concerned around, you know, are you scrapping the product quickly? Are you making a quality decision quickly enough such that I can manufacture? Uh, and if you are going to scrap the product, are you exploring every avenue possible to make sure that is it's a valid, you know, a justifiable reason? So essentially by looking at the quality system from these Three, three different angles, and putting sort of you know three different metaphorical hats on, you can generate you know uh, indicators and 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 metrics that really sort of measure whether your quality system is actually satisfying these different and they're often conflicting viewpoints of the quality system. Rather than saying is it just compliant? Does it meet the regs? Will it pass an inspection? Well, it it has to do that, but really it has to do more than that. It has to make money. And it also has to satisfy the, the patient and, and, and the end user and the customer of the products. So really some of the lean, lean thinking that's been around for many years is, is quite so often it's applied to the transactional processes of the quality system, but it can be and, and it should be. And some of this thinking is actually quite useful.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So tell me a little bit about the importance of change in risk management associated um, with all of this.
1: I think for me, change and mismanagement—they really do underpin in terms of if you're going to transform an organisation. Very often, when we talk about change management. We actually organisations are concerned with you know how you make that change. Or very often, organisations talk about change management, and they actually talk about that what they really mean is how they change documents. But it really goes more beyond that in terms of how you embed that change, how you understand that change. But one of the questions that change boards very rarely ask when they look at a change. Is are you making the correct change? Are you fixing the right problem with the right solution? Are you actually doing the right thing before, rather than are you implementing it in a, in a in a controlled manner? Are you fixing the right problems with the right solutions? So really, this is a, this is a question that really should go before a lot of the change control sort of you know steps that are actually implemented it's not about the implement you can increment very well a very bad idea i many organizations do do that <laughs> very effectively yes. and that's really there's there is a preceding question in terms of are you fixing the right problems so really are you have you got that sort of that ethos of, of root cause analysis and, and, and investigation within the organization and that sort of underpins or goes along with risk management in terms of very often within certainly within medical devices risk management is actually sort of restricted how you you design the product, how you sort of build it, and how you sort of put it together. Really, risk management should go across all of the organization in terms of how you manage risk, because really the risk management is the essence of being a quality engineer. You're taking risk-based decisions every day in terms of whether you bond product, you release product, you rework product. So really effective risk management goes beyond just how you design the products. It really goes across the whole of the organization. So these go hand in hand, the ability to to make the right changes in a controlled manner and assess risks as you go. The, these are the real drivers, if you want to transform an organization and really make it effective, I think.
0: So how do sort of these alternate views of the world help you better understand your QMS then?
1: I, I, we talked about lean in terms of that being applied to sort of manufacturing over the last probably 20, 30 years. And it's been very successful. So I'm, I'm not just dissing lean and process excellence. It's been really, really effective in terms of streamlining organizations but it hasn't always worked in terms of fulfilling the, the endpoints uh, we, that we expected in terms of that methodology. And the reason for that is is that organizations aren't machines where you can control inputs and verify outputs. Organizations are, are, are very complex systems. They're, they're living, breathing, changing organisms, and they don't often behave in terms of if you're trying to control them in terms of especially a quality system it's a much more adaptive breathing system than than just a set of processes in a linear fashion where you can try to control so when you try and control them then very often you find that's that's not always, not always possible and some of the thinking that that came out of the, the the studies i did a couple of years ago in terms of how social sciences looks at organizations as, as more sort of fluid entities that really is applicable to the quality system because it's not just a system because it's in its name it's a quality system it's actually a changing system that evolves and some of the changes you make can have unexpected consequences on other parts of the system. So it's not as easy as, as inputs and outputs and, and this very engineering view of the world. So that's one of the sort of the new areas that sort of, I've been working on in terms of use some of that thinking to actually make better decisions. And there's lots of sort of methodology and framework around some of the newer thinking around how organizations behave to help quality professions make but make better better, better decision-making in terms of some of those tools.
0: Definitely. Yeah, there's still people at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So I think you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but if we could dive in a little bit more about the role of people, processes, and technology in building a transformation map for your quality system.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're when putting together a map to transform a quality organization or quality system one point to the next, the, very often the buckets you use are people, process, technology. For me, it, it does start with people. It starts with um with their skills and behaviors and really i think the industry now is in a position where a lot of the if you if you have if you describe the attributes of a of a, of a quality professional and very often they'd be very an- analytical introverted very comfortable with data. maybe i'm probably describing myself there those sort of those sort of qualities are, are obviously needed you know we need people to handle data and be comfortable with it but i, I see the quality professional evolving in terms of we need behaviours that are are different. They need to be inquisitive. They want to connect with customers. They want to collaborate. Be pragmatic. They see their roles as teachers and mentors and coaches, and that's a very different skill set than very often the skill set that attracts people into quality. So I, I'm not dissing that those 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 attributes because I've got I've got some of them myself in terms of those those sort of those sort of qualities. But really, really for 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 quality evolve, the sort of skill sets that, that are needed are actually going to be different. And also where quality is embedded. So uh, we we talk about sort of you know from lab to launch. Really, to, to, for that to be effective, quality needs to be embedded within the functions it serves from from the very beginning. You know, talking to the customers and when you design the product, not as an afterthought. <laughs> you know, we built the product. Yes. We want to sell it. Let's let's get the quality guys in to do the do the documentation. Really, that that. In a collaborative way of of working is needed for quality at the very beginning of of, of, a, of a design process. So that requires different behaviours in terms of people, um, and in terms of process and technology. Really, I mean, they really they're sort of intertwined in terms of we need to build processes that meet the customers' needs, and again, it's back to the customer, customer centric quality system. And is it, is it meeting the needs of those that need to execute the processes? So it's okay <laughs> having a great quality system and an electronic system to. Uh you know within your organization but if if it's if it's clunky to use and end users can't interface with it and and it's painful then it's obviously not gonna meet the needs for it for the organization and then the question always is is it helping the customer how is this helping the customer is it the best way to help the customer and really essentially all decisions fall out of that so Definitely. so there we though we treat we treat you know people process, and technology as separate buckets. Really, for me, they're all part of a more holistic approach to satisfying patient needs. There, it's not just the technology. You know, technology is very fashionable, and you this is this is a you know the shiny bit of kit. But more, it's more how you interface that with the people and the process to make this more rounded solution to making sure you're you're meeting patient needs.
0: Definitely. So, tell me a little bit about the practical tools and support that Data provides organizations transform how they're running their QMS. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, over the last year or so, I've been working with a colleague of mine, Ian Wells, who's a very experienced quality VP, who's been part of the transformation of numerous quality organizations, tried to sort of, you know, really write in a book, what are some practical tools and tips to to actually help organizations, you know, start their quality journeys. So this is going to come out next year in terms of, you know, what are the practical things you can do to transform an organization, not just in a theoretical way, but in, in sort of, you know, the hands-on way. So this is, this is coming out next, next spring. This is just this is a shameless plug for the book. <laughs> it's called Tra- Transforming Quality Organizations, a Practical Guide. So it'll come out in the spring, but that, that, that does include some of the theory, but it also includes a lot of the, the practical tips of how to sort of, to make a transformation in, in terms of other tools. My, my company is, is very embedded in terms of helping organizations construct plans and turn those plans into reality. And one of the things we've been working on over the last sort of. Two three months is a diagnostic tool that companies can use to actually self diagnose their organisation and work out where ways they can self improve improve in terms of building their roadmap. Really sort of build their and, and if they want to, you know, partner with with, with my organisation in terms of you know that making that that, that roadmap a, a reality. So that tool isn't available yet. So I'm I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm looking for med tech companies who would just want to trial that for free in terms of piloting it. So if anybody wants to get in touch with me after, the, after this podcast to get an access to the tool, then then i would more than happy to help them you know, if they want to just road test the tool. And this basically generates a report and some recommendations. So you know, if any of your audience you know, wants some help with that and would just want to have a go at the tool, then, then feel free to get in touch and i will be more than happy to help.
0: Okay, perfect. So tell us what to watch out for in the future of quality.
1: I, th- I think I think the approach the quality taken over the last three to four decades probably won't be adequate going forward. Especially that we touched on it, the concept of a quality professional of the QA department. I see it, I can see more or less at times that quality group disappearing and being embedded within the functions they actually they actually serve, and the skills and behaviors that we we want, as we touched on before, I don't think necessarily that we've we've that's satisfied us in the past will actually be good enough in the future so there's a watch out for quality in terms of are we are our, our skill sets changing as we go forward i also think you know there's been a lot of focus on regulated compliance over the last couple of years and i think this will settle down basically it'll it'll flush itself out and then we'll get used to the new eggs and etc cetera, etc cetera. and then i think it positions quality to, to really you know ask itself what it wants to be in terms of what what's the what's the role within the organization you know is it is it more than just policing audits and and and, and executing audits and and, and 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 policing compliance? I think it offers much more for organisations if they can untap the power of their quality groups, you know, to make better products and and sell sell products that the customers want and delight and actually help patients in the long run. So you know, going back to the car analogy, you know, if it's, my question to a quality professional is. Do you want to be the, the person, that's the the quality individual that hands out speeding tickets, or do you want to be the quality individual that helps build a more beautiful car and a more efficient car? And I know which mm-hmm. which I'd want to be. I'd rather be the person <laughs> that actually designs the car than, than the one that hands out the speeding tickets. So I think the watch house for the future of quality really is quality is going to have to change. But I think it's, as I said, you know, I've been in quality for 20, 30 years now. I've been been in it because it is so embedded within your organisation and is such a rewarding role. So I think that's... that's uh, that's a, that's a good place to be, I think.
0: I agree. I agree. I enjoyed my time as a quality engineer as well. It was uh, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, where can we go to follow along, learn more about you, get connected,
1: find um, out more about okay. your book and your tool? Yeah, I've got I've got a website which we, we can publish, and there's a lot of information on there. Every couple of weeks, I I publish a newsletter called Quality Rebooted. Uh, which is really sort of a, a, a fresh look at quality from a different angle. So it's a bit lighter. It's, a, it's got a, a different stance on quality. So if people want to pop into that every or subscribe to it every couple of weeks, I publish a, a new topic. So basically that'll give us sort of a flavor of things I'm interested in and things that I'm passionate about. And also it might have links to my site and my company's site, which gives some more broader help in terms of what support we can give and information if anybody just just wants to drop me a a dm or a message then then that's a great way to connect as well on linkedin or directly
0: perfect all right well thank you so much for your time today matt it's been a lot of fun chatting about quality and how we can improve
1: it it's been a pleasure
0: thank you for listening to this week's episode of from lab to launch brought to you by qualio If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.